Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. In the hot seat today is one of our new deacon candidates. Welcome, GW. Hello. Hi, can you tell me about your family, your wife, where you're from, and introduce yourself? Yeah, um, my wife is Kim. Uh, We've been married almost 27 years now. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, We have five children. I have two adult daughters. Uh, They both graduated from college, and then we have three boys that are still in school, and they're at home with us. From the Grew up in the Gregory area, go to St. Joseph. In, in Gregory, I was baptized, confirmed, married. Uh, my whole spiritual life growing up has occurred all within that parish. Tell me about your family, your siblings, your parents, what it was like growing up. Uh, my mom and dad were great. They loved us. Uh, my mom made sure we made it to church <laughs> most Sundays. She passed away when she was 46 But prior to that, 10 years prior to that, my little brother drowned, and he was six years old at the time. And after that, my my dad was really more dedicated to attending Mass with us on Sundays. And so we had a little bit of a rough childhood growing up. I have four siblings, um, and three of them are still alive. I have a brother and then two sisters as well. We've always been close, I think, because of that young childhood tragedy of my brother's and then my mom passing away 10 years uh, later from a blood clot from knee surgery at the age of 46. And obviously some young some young ages to be dealing with those type of tragedies, but they instilled, I uh, think, more of a maybe a uh, just a curiosity of God rather than a deep spiritual formation. But they always I was always open then to knowing more about God and thinking about you know, life after death type of issues. My parents loved us for sure. Even if they didn't have a steep, a deep spirituality to them, they cared about our faith for sure. Now, what did your parents do for a living? We've grown up on the farm and the ranch uh, my whole life. I live a mile away from where I was raised my entire life. And we're ble- I'm blessed to still have my dad on the farm, farming and ranching with me and my family. And my mom was pretty much a stay-at-home mom and, and raised us ornery kids. But uh, but she, she did work some outside of the home, um, some odd and end jobs, just trying to help, you know, make some income for the family. The, the farm life wasn't too profitable back in the 80s and, and still isn't. But back then there were some, some tough times, high interest rates and stuff like that. So they did, they did what they could to get us by. What prompted you to consider the diaconate? That's a great question. I I wish I had this um, great detailed event that that actually spurred me into thinking about it. But I I didn't grow up with a deacon. I never even knew a deacon. I never knew a personal um, name of a deacon until um, I was probably thirty three, thirty five years old. It was just something we never had. So I don't really know. Um, other than a prompting from the Holy Spirit, I, I really don't know where this calling came from. It just, I remember going through this conversion of heart, and it was one of the first things that popped in my mind, and I, I really don't know where it came from. But that moment, I was open to about anything God was trying to reveal to me, so I was willing to pursue whatever I felt He was calling me to do. 
How long ago was that? That would have been about uh, 15 years ago or so. What did your wife think at that point when you told her? Yeah, the heels were dug in pretty good. Um, she didn't like the idea at all. And uh, that was probably at that time I had actually talked to a priest about the possibility of it. And I remember that that I was exactly 35 years old at that time because that was the age you had to be. So I remember looking into that, talking to a priest about it, and being told my family was too young, which was great advice because Kim wasn't ready for it. I, I wasn't um, spiritually mature enough to be concerned, and I felt the calling, so I figured I better bring it up. And I think it was great advice at the time because I've matured a lot in the last 10 years. Um, and um, I think Kim has too, and so that together we've grown. And so it, it, it wasn't such a shock later on, even though it was still a tough, tough thing. It was a big change for us. So I bet sitting in the tractor for hours, working on the land, relying on God's providence, that gives you a lot of time to just be with the Lord and think, sit, listen, and maybe not quiet in the tractor, but it's a different kind of quiet. Yeah, it's been probably one of the greatest blessings that I had to grow into understanding. Uh, it's one of the things I hated most as a kid. You try to create as much noise just to get you through the day. So you have the Walkman headphones on as loud as they'll go <laughs> to block out the noise, the engine, and the moving parts, which is why I can't hear the best anymore. Now, and as I've grown in my faith, that time in the tractor and that silence has done so much. And I feel bad for people that don't have those opportunities to be out in that silence and totally relying, as you say, in God's providence for everything that you have. I can't imagine that there's a farmer who doesn't have a faith life because your whole livelihood relies on God's graces to get you through. And that time in that tractor has, I've grown a lot. Like doing our uh, practice homilies, I, I find myself constantly coming up with things or the Holy Spirit giving me thoughts and I'm putting them into my phone and then you can later develop them into something that makes sense, hopefully. So what was one thing that you've learned since you started the formation that's really stuck with you, been there with you, helped you in your tractor theology? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a patience. I think working with livestock and stuff my whole life, you, unfortunately, you, you kind of start to treat people in that way. Like you can just do the same thing over and over. Like you run the cattle through the chute and give them the same shot, the same pour on everything. That's not how you deal with people. So I've had to learn to grow in patience and, and realizing that everybody has their own journey and it's not going to be like mine. The Holy Spirit worked in me in a way that I would not advise um, other people to be led to God, but He used my competitive spirit to draw me closer to Him. But with most people, that's it's usually more of a slower, gradual process. And uh, learning to meet people where they're at has been an important thing for me to learn through formation, realizing that that is going to be a big part of my ministry is helping evangelize, but by teaching the same truths, but at, from a different angle for each person. So the Gregory County, where Gregory is, is in the southern, southeasternmost corner of our diocese. I mean, this is as far as you can get away from Rapid City and still be in the diocese. There's only a thousand so people in Gregory and a thousand people like in the other three communities in your parish four. What is a parish four called? I'm not even sure, but... It must be the four parishes, the that quad, part of it. Yeah, that's right. Parishes. Yeah, we're a squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in that area, that most of the people in that area are farmer ranching, community background, 
How do you feel like you, with that background, same background, are going to be able to minister to the people in the community, not just in the Catholic Church, in your parish, but in the community at large? God has really put you in a unique position to be able to relate to them, as you're saying, because working with people is different than working with the cattle. Right. You can't approach it the same way. So how has God prepared you for that? I think probably without my realizing it, I look forward to those. And I, I mean, one, it's actually been one of my biggest fears as well, because like all these people realize that you're that same little brat that I remember growing up with. And now I'm going to have to be preaching homilies to these people and um, teaching them moral lessons, hopefully. But they've, they've also, I, I think that could be a blessing too. So I don't mean this in a cruel way, but like, yeah, we've seen where you, where you were at and we know what God's done in your life. So yeah, uh, maybe it'll give them hope. I think I can relate to them better. I mean, even if those people aren't, uh, you know, directly involved with the ranch and our farming community, they're still tied to it. Definitely. They, right. they definitely have family that's involved with it, or they know someone or their businesses they run, rely on that, right. on that. They all understand it. And so I think approaching it from that, that point of view is I, I can't change like being out here in rapid and seeing more business minded people. I, I don't think I can let that draw me away from my roots because these people are, are going to relate better to the GW they grew up with and in my background as well. What advice would you give to someone who's considering the diaconate, I mean, especially those with young families or family business obligations? For instance, a rancher, he's on 24-7, seven days a week. Right. Pray, pray, and, and then pray a little more. It is a big step, and, it, and it's probably one of the things I was most afraid of. I, and Kim realizes this, I, I do not leave the farm and ranch. It's, it's, it's what I do. My, the rest of my family has been frustrated with me at times for not being willing to leave. But I, I feel an obligation to my responsibilities there. So this has been a big thing for us. And for Kim as well, having to leave the kids, we have a young family still leaving those and trusting others. I mean, we've put a lot of trust in God to this point, and now we have to trust other humans um, to be able to handle things while we're gone. And it's amazing. After four years of doing this, everything is still just keeps working. Even without us there, it can, it can happen. So <laughs> God has been um, taking care of things for us. But I think it's for the actual men discerning the diaconate, I definitely would advise them, if they don't already, to to begin a set time for praying with your wife every single day. She is such a huge part of this decision, and it's not just you. The diocese will help you make that clear, too, but you need to know that it's it's not just you. I mean, it's almost like a family obligation, and, and my children have been very supportive of all this. And when we start to worry about them being left home without us, they're the ones telling us to go. Like lately, yeah. we we just uh, had to come a day sooner to miss a storm. And it was our boys telling us we need to come. We need to come now. We need to go on that Thursday to beat the storm that was coming on Friday. And so they've been supportive of it, of this whole journey we've been on. And But I think relying on God is is the most important thing if you've trusted him enough to call you into this, he will make you uh, who he wants you to be. And, and so just trusting in him, but uh, learning to listen to him in that silence and giving him that time. What are you looking forward to most after you get ordained? This seems like should be an easy, an easy question, but it's not. I, 
I really don't know. I am from the moment of wondering why I was called to this because there was no inspiration from a direct deacon in my life or anyone telling me you needed to do you knew you should really do this. Um, it just seems like the whole time it, it's just been these constant nudgings from the Lord. So I trust whatever He has in store for me, He'll give me the abilities to go through it. This whole process has called me out of my comfort zone a mm-hmm. lot. I feel that uh, He's preparing me for something he, he has in mind for me, and I'm just willing to get in that wheelbarrow and let Him push me where He wants me. I, I do look forward, if I had to say one thing, though, um, giving blessings, like the church entrusts us with blessings as ordained clergy, and this whole idea of being a mediator between God and His people, it's a huge responsibility and, and something I take very seriously, and, and I do look forward to that. That's wonderful. Well, I have only one last question because I'm sure out there someone's wondering, what does GW stand for? Gary William. <laughs> you will right, cut you this. you heard it here. You heard it here. All right, well, thank you, GW, for taking time out of your day to speak with us. We are so excited for the, all the new deacons to be ordained in our diocese, and thank you for serving the Rapid City Diocese with your yes. Thank you, Karen. This is Deacon Greg Sass, Director of the Permanent Diaconate and Diaconate Formation. The diocese has been blessed to have seven men called to orders by Bishop Peter Mewage, six as permanent deacons and one as a transitional deacon for the Diocese of Rapid City. Their ordination is scheduled for 5.30 p.m. Thursday, June 29, 2023 at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. All are invited to attend the ordination. For more information, visit rapidcitydiocese.org, read the diocese newspaper, West River Catholic, or your parish's bulletin. For more information about the permanent diaconate in the Diocese of Rapid City, contact me at the Chancery, 605-343-3541.